In this world, we all have struggles. We face opposition, we get challenged, and sometimes we even want to give up. The reason is simple. This world is not our home. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In one of the greatest sermons ever preached, Jesus describes what life and community looks like when they all come under the gracious rule of God. He highlights we are called to be different. Join us as we take a deep look at Christ's words. We hope you enjoy. All right, good morning to everybody here and everybody that's online. Thank you for joining us all over literally the world. Uh, we are glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I sure hope you are. I, I love that song that we just sang. I needed to be reminded of how good God is. Amen. Can we just say that together? God is good. Let's say it again. God is good. And do you remember back in the day we used to do this thing where the pastor would say, God is good, and you would say, ah, yeah, everyone that said that, you're old. <laughs> God is good? And all the time? Amen. Well, uh, Socrates famously said, I know one thing, I know nothing. I know one thing, I know nothing. Have you ever felt like that before? Like you're like, I am clueless as to what to do or what's going on. There's another famous saying by Bernard Shaw that says, youth is wasted on the young. (laughs) Youth is wasted on the young. Do you know what these statements are called? Paradox. Not a pair of ducks. Paradox. Do you know what a, a paradoxical statement is? It's a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense. Like, who defines common sense anymore? Whole nother sermon. And yet, it appears what? To be perhaps true. So this is paradox. And you're like, well, ah, Pastor, why? Well, you started off, or you, I started off with a couple statements. Uh, but there's more. There's, there's a lot of them. And I want to share a few famous ones. Save money by spending it. Have you heard that one? Uh, this is the beginning of the... How is 9 o'clock more awake than 10.30? Come on. All right, let's try that one again. This is the beginning of the... And so you guys know that one. Deep down, you're really shallow. These are all paradox, right? And then William Shakespeare said this, I must be cruel to be kind. I must be cruel to be kind. Now, now there, there, there's all of these statements, and maybe you have your own, but uh, did you know that the master of these statements is Jesus himself? Did you know that he has a list of these Now, walk through this with me, but if you think about it, Jesus said the last will be what? First. He says giving is receiving. He said dying is living. He said losing is finding. The last is the first or the greatest. Poor is rich. Weakness is strength. And then serving is ruling. Is this like, am I, am I priming the pump on this? Are you kind of working with me on this? And you go, well, pastor, why, why, why this? Because I honestly believe today's message is one of the greatest statements he makes. 
a paradoxical statement that makes you go, hmm, this seems very contradictory, but perhaps there's some truth. And by the way, if Jesus said it, then we don't have to do the perhaps, right? <laughs> All right. So Kent Hughes, a book that I've been reading, one of the three resources outside of the biggest one, right, says this. He says, uh, for Christ, paradoxes were an essential effective way of getting people to see essential spiritual truth. For Christ, paradoxes were on uh, an especially effective way of getting people to see what? Essential spiritual truth. Jesus used this as a way for us to know how to live. So we're going to look at one of those statements today. And before we do that, let's, let's pray. God, um, thank you for another day uh, that was not promised to us. Thank you, Lord, that we were healthy enough to make our way in here or make our way on, online and make this a priority. God, we're, we're, we're not just asking, we're begging for the Holy Spirit to continue to fill this place and to fill our hearts and our lives, to press out of our lives, which is the things that are, that are unhealthy, and to press into our lives the things that are really important. God, I, I'm praying in my weakness, you would be strong. And I pray, God, that this is a life-changing message for those that hear. I love you. We love you. In the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. So you ready to get dirty? Yeah, 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 Pastor. That's why I came here. Well, here's, here's the reality. We've been looking at, we started a new series about uh, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks, uh, and it's taken a look at the greatest sermon ever preached. And it was preached by Jesus Christ himself. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Good job. You've been listening. We're only taking a look at the beginning parts of this sermon uh, called the Beatitudes. And in a, in a world that is telling us how to live and act and think and breathe and walk and vote and all that kind of stuff, that's nice. But I've come to the conclusion that this is probably the best resource for us to listen to. And especially the sermon. It's early on in Jesus' ministry. He's preaching to the 12 disciples. There's a large crowd listening to him. And he's going to share with them really how to act, think, and live. So we ought to be pressing into this information also, right? We'd be wise for that. So what I want to do is, if you're taking notes, write down number one, review. One of the things about me, and it doesn't, it's not good or bad, it's just I like to review because I know I forget, and the older I get, the more I forget. But I just think it's so important. We've been talking a lot about repetition and staff and how we just need to kind of repeat the same things. And even when we say the same things, they're not heard. Any parents relate to this? <laughs> right? So we just need to be repetitive so it gets in us and so we can understand it and know it to be true. So the review part is, if we open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, we go to verse 1, and it says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach. So here's Jesus teaching. The very first beatitude we looked at is found in verse 3. Let's read this together. Are you ready? And let me hear you from home or in your car. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's say that again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And again, uh, just in review purposes, poor in spirit does not mean that you lay naked in a, in, a, in a gutter and call yourself a Christian. It's not 
poverty. It's not also looking upon yourself and, and, and as, a, as a nobody, okay? We know we're somebody's because we're made in the image of God, amen? It's not poorly looking upon yourself. But literally, what we learned is that poor in spirit means brokenness. It means spiritual bankruptcy. It's seeing ourselves as we really are. And here's the truth. We're all broken. Welcome to a room full of messy, Amen. Now, again, I say it oftentimes, we walk in here and we think everyone's got it figured out and, oh, that person's so content in being single and that, those, that couple over there, they're so oh, lovey-dovey and the marriage is so wonderful and parenting, oh, those kids are so, you know, and we look at everybody and go, oh, I'm the one that's screwed up and all of them got it figured out. Can I hear an amen really loud if you're messy? One, two, three. Amen. All right, so we got a lot of messy in here, all right? So porn spirit means that we're broken, that we're spiritually bankrupt. Okay, we're just seeing ourselves as we really are. And when we empty ourselves, then we're able to make room for God. But if we're full of ourselves and we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, there's no room for God. Okay? Then we let, said that, that if you're spiritually, uh, if you're poor in spirit, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. And, and I just want to say this that equals wholeness. And it's not just wholeness in the future, like, oh my gosh, I get to walk the, the streets of gold and no more pain and no more tears and I get to be in heaven and I could golf all day long and have to pay green fees. That probably meant nothing to most of you. But you think about this. I said the kingdom of heaven, more importantly, God says the kingdom of heaven is wherever the reign of God is. And so we don't have to wait to experience the kingdom of heaven until we get up to heaven. If we say in our brokenness, God, you're number one, we get to experience it right here on earth. And that's a beautiful thing. Then we lock, talk next week. The, the next week was blessed are, the, are, blessed are those who what? Mourn, right? For they will be what? Comforted. Oh my gosh. And we talked about losing loved ones. And uh, we just lost a, a loved one here at our church, uh, someone that was up on the stage many, many times leading worship and our children's ministry and our youth ministry. And I only say that to honor him, but our brother Larry Mesa went on to be with the Lord with his battle with uh, cancer. And so you could pray for his wife and uh, two kids there. But, you know, the loss of life is hard, and we mourn that. But that's not what this passage talked about. Mourning our what? Oh, yes, we listened. Mourning our sin. And so we got a brokenness in, in porn spirit, and then we've got the mourning of our sin. And it's kind of like one feeds off of the other, right? When we see our own brokenness, and then we could mourn our own sin, like really grieve our own sin, we will be comforted. Now, here's what's interesting about last week. Oftentimes, when we feel like we share our deepest, darkest stuff with God, he might send us out on a timeout, or he may remove us from his presence, or he may push us aside. Well, that's what we as humans might do, but God doesn't. He says, you come to me broken? You come to me mourning your sin? Come jump on my lap. Amen? And that comfort equals strength. So you could always go back and listen to these messages online, but now I want to dig into today's prov uh, proverb, today's um, uh, beatitude. Verse 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. You ready? Let's read this together. Blessed are the meek, for they will what? 
Let's say that again. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I, I want to say something. I didn't think about this in first service. I said it, so I'm going to give you the same thing. One of the things that's beautiful is if we can memorize scripture, right? Thy word have I hidden in my heart, so I do not sin against you, right? And I don't know. I don't talk a lot about it from the pulpit. But one of the things that you could accidentally do in this series is memorize. And that's part of why I'm being repetitive is because I I would love for that just, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of God, right? Uh, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be what? Comforted. And if we could have that in our heart. And here, blessed are those, are, are the meek, for they will what? Inherit the earth. So here is our third one. Now, here's my thought on this. <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> I'm probably a little bit more blunt this service than the last one. But you, you read this, and this is that paradox. Blessed are those that are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You're like, that's not true, Right? That's not true. That's not what dad taught me. That's not what society has taught me. That's not what um, the college taught me. That's not what playing sports has taught me. It's actually just the opposite. And ladies, uh, forgive me, but speaking from a man's standpoint, meekness equals weakness. Right? Men, am I right? Like, if someone's coming up here at your memorial service and saying, oh, and he was a meek man, I'm like jumping out of the you know, coffin and going, no, 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 not me, you know, because you're like, meekness is weakness. And, and talk about a paradoxical statement. It's like, this does not make sense. But remember, who said it? Jesus did. And here's the understatement of the message. Jesus knows what he's talking about. Pastor Robert doesn't know what he's talking about. Jesus knows what he's talking about. Can I hear an amen to that one? And so Jesus said it. Meekness actually is gentleness. Most of you, not most of you, but uh, most of you, if, if, if your translation does not, is not the NIV, it's going to say, blessed are those that are gentle, right? So gentle and meekness are oftentimes interchangeable. In the Greek, this word, I love this picture. In the Greek, this word was used to describe tame animals. What kind of animals? Tame animals, Okay, this, this is associated with, with meekness. Soothing medicine. Soothing medicine. I, I like this. It's associated with mild, what? Mild words. Are you seeing the picture of meekness? Tame animals, right? Mild words, soothing medicine. And here it is. Here it is. And a gentle breeze. It's like a cologne commercial, right? But I really am attracted to the tame animals, the mild words, and the gentle breeze. My friends, that's meekness. Jesus is asking us to be meek. The word implies self-control. No hitting the person next to you, please. I have a question for me. I have a question for you. Are you a gentle breeze or are you a tsunami? Are you a gentle breeze or are you a hurricane? And and don't take offense to this because here's the truth. 
And it took a while for first service to grab a hold of this. But we all struggle in this area. We all struggle in the area of meekness. But we got to put this on the radar because Jesus has put it on the radar. Amen? Are you a gentle breeze? The word implies self-control, like I said. Aristotle said this. In reference to meekness, it is the mean between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. Meekness is the mean between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. Meekness is, in my opinion, after studying... (laughs) Meekness is strength under control. Meekness is strength under control. So the man that struggles with the the whole meekness, there's a lot more strength in meekness than explosion. There's a lot more strength in mild words than poisonous words. There's a lot more strength in a gentle breeze than a tsunami. Think about how Jesus underwent what he did in his life. And yet he was able to win with meekness. I want to read you a little uh, portion of an article I read. It says, in respect to his own person, he practiced neither retaliation or vindictiveness. When he was mocked and spat upon, he answered nothing, for he trusted his father. As, it, as we've noted, when he was confronted by Pilate, he what? He kept silent. When his friends betrayed him and fled, <laughs> he uttered no reproach. When Peter denied him, Jesus restored him to fellowship and service. When Judas came and kissed him in Gethsemane, Jesus called him friend. And Jesus meant it. He was never insincere. Even in those, those thrones of death, he pleaded, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Luke 23, 34 says, And in all of this, Jesus, meek and mild, was in control. He radiated power. Is that true? Isn't that beautiful? And again, don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel ashamed. Those are all the things the devil wants you to feel. But just feel what God is wanting of your life. And as I shared first service, as I'm studying this this week and as I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with it this week, one of the things that happened to me, I feel like even in my own office, it's like my blood pressure went down. All of a sudden, I felt like like this burden was being lifted off of my heart. Because I was being given permission to act and think and feel like I was created to act and feel and think. And to be able to push aside the garbage and the poison of society, of culture that has said otherwise, especially to me as a man. And it is so beautiful to embrace this idea of meekness. Amen? 
and we think about Jesus' life, it's like, yes, we just went through a series of all these things that when we think about how Jesus was challenged, how Jesus was mistreated, how he was accused of things that he never committed, that you and I, we would not choose meekness. We would choose, I've got to stand up for myself. I need to put that person in their place. I need to take upon justice in my own life and throw it there. I need to explode on them with verbal diarrhea. I need to embarrass myself. I need to do whatever it takes because this is not right. And yet Jesus didn't do that. And I could press into this and do a whole nother message on it, and I chose not to, but I do need to acknowledge the fact that when Jesus got fired up, it wasn't because of all the stuff that was, being, was happening to him. He got fired up only when it was put on others. And even in that, he was able to be Jesus, light. I have a few examples. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on, but the disciples rebuked them. The disciples rebuked them. And Jesus kind of gone, shut up, you guys, you know, all that. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will receive the kingdom of God like the little children will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. We have another example that's really famous in John chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. You could read that, and that's, that's where you know, people were taking advantage of the house of God and making money and, the, and, and all that. But you guys could read this. But I, I just, it's so fun to watch Jesus. It's so fun to watch Jesus and put on our radars I want to be like him. One of the passages I came across this week, I want to share with you, it's, it's, it's the key, in my opinion. It's gold. Like, I can't remember studying this verse ever, so it was like brand new for me. It's awesome. Have I, have I built it up? You're at the edge of your seats. It, it's Psalms 37. This is like, if you could read, blessed are the meek, and then put equals, and then just put Psalm 37 right there, it's like it explains it all. So I'm going to only share. We're going to look at the first 11 verses. Some of you, you just may want to read this along with me. Some of you may want to close your eyes and just open your ears and heart. This is gold. Are you ready? David says this. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Because this is where we struggle with meekness, right? Especially when people are doing stuff to us. Do not fret. What is, what's those first three words? Let's say it together. Do not fret. Let's say it again. Do not fret. Because those who are evil, or uh, because of those who are evil or envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon what? They'll soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Now here it is. Trust in the Lord and what? That, that's the response to injustice. That's the response to evilness. That's the response to threats. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe, safe pasture. Take delight in what? Take delight in weed? Take delight in vodka? Take delight in sex? 
take delight in money, take delight in Buddha, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Then he goes on in verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. There it is again. What's the three words? Do not fret. When people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes, refrain from what? You can say it out loud. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. And there's those three words again. Do not what? Fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But here it is. I didn't write this stuff. It's too good. But, let's, say, let's read this together, ready? But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Do you think that maybe Jesus knew Psalms 37? (laughs) Do you think maybe this was going through his heart and mind as he wrote those or spoke those words? And do you think it's possible that the crowd knew Psalm 37 that he was speaking to? And use some of the, this phraseology. Here, this end part, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. It's like, it's, like it's, 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 it's exactly what we just read in Matthew 5 5 in the Beatitudes. Except for, I like this peace part. You will experience and enjoy peace and prosperity. My friends, here's, here, here's the truth. We know this. There's a lot wrong in our world. Can I hear an amen to that? Let's get a little tighter. There's a lot wrong in your world. Amen. Come on. Come on. We are, we are messy people. We, we, if you forgot, we admitted to it just about 20 minutes ago. Okay? We're messy people. There's a lot wrong in the world, and there's a lot wrong in our world. We don't have control over that. We have control over this. So why not invite meekness to the table? Why not let it dine at your table. Well, then if I'm meek, then everyone else is going to... No! Did you read Psalm 12? God's got it. He's got them. And sometimes you is them. We is the problem. And I know that's not good English, but you know what I'm talking about. Right? So, so forget about that. Let's just let it invite it here. And then the key is Jesus trusted his daddy. We need to trust our daddy. We need to trust our daddy in all this stuff. And then you could get off of blood pressure medicine. I'm not joking. You could all of a sudden find yourself dialing it down in your life. Some of us are really wound tight. And it's killing us. Take a deep breath. Trust in God. And meditate on Psalms 37. Meditate means to chew on. It's like a cow that, that chews on it, goes into one of his stomachs. He brings it back up, chews on it again. I know that's gross. Puts it in another stomach, brings it back up. And I think he does this six or seven times. 
That's meditation. And some of us need to chew on Psalms 37 and see what it has for us. But the meek, not the arrogant, not the proud, not the, not the successful according to the world, not the rich, not the poor, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace. And all God's people said, meekness is not weakness. Self-control and gentleness is what meekness is. And I was thinking about this, uh, and I'm not this smart at all, so I'm giving credit to the Holy Spirit on this, but I'm like, wait a second. Isn't, isn't Galatians 5 all about um, the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Yeah? And then, you know, the beginning, I think it's verses 19 through 21 of chapter 5, it talks about the, 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 the desires of the sinful nature are, and then it lists all these things. And then it goes, but the fruit of the Spirit is. And so those of us that have said yes to Jesus Christ and have the Holy Spirit in our lives, the fruit that should be coming out, if you read it, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's, it's joy or it's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's what? It's, it's, it's forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And then what? And then what? And then what? Gentle, what? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The fruit of the Holy Spirit at the end, it says, is gentleness and self-control. What is meekness? It's gentleness and self-control. If you and I want meekness in our lives, we will not be able to produce it on our own will. It has got to be a God thing to be able to respond like Jesus did throughout his ministry, for us to be able to do that, we have got to have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways we know if we're walking in the Holy Spirit is if we see the fruit of meekness and how we respond. Are we a gentle breeze or are we a tsunami? Are we mild words or are we words... that even your mama wouldn't want you here saying. I love it. Someone told me, I, 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 I was like, you cuss like a sailor. And he's like, yeah, but I never cuss in front of my mom. <laughs> this is a 65-year-old telling me this. I was like, all right, that's good. Wouldn't our world be better? And wouldn't your world be better if we walked in meekness? there'd be a lot less doors slamming in the house. A lot less fuel being poured on the fire. I, I, I might have hinted to this, and I actually had to talk to the staff and talk me off of a shelf. You know, one of the things that, um, I didn't say this first, so I'm going to say it now, though. One of the things that you're taught in parenting is you should never discipline your children when you're mad, Right? I was mad two weeks ago. I was mad. I was so tired of so many discussions about this very thing happening in people's homes, and especially in regards to parenting and um, marriages. Men calling their wives things that should never happen, and vice versa. And doors being slammed and explosions and kids watching this. And, and I'm like... I get it. Maybe that's what you're used to. Um, maybe that's what's been shown and modeled to you. But I want to tell you right now, that's not healthy. 
okay? That's not normal. So if it's happening, I just want you to know, that's just so you know, it, that's, not, that's not right. And I think part of the answer is it's really weird. Like, I didn't dial this sermon in. It, it, it showed up, right? But isn't it interesting? Isn't this the answer to that? Isn't this the answer to that? Okay? And, I, and it's not shame and guilt on any one of you that this is a part of your life. It's just a, hey, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Stop it now. Okay? And put the, the can away of the fire or the gas and just, just like make a commitment right now. I want to walk in meekness. Even if she pushes every button or he pushes every button or they at work push every, you know, I got control over me. And more importantly, God's got control over me through his Holy Spirit. Can I step aside from that? Do you know my heart on that? Take, take from that what, what, what you need to and, and let the rest go. Oh, how my life would be so much better if I chose meekness while driving, <laughs> while at home, while in the office, while on social media, in line at Costco for gas, on the ball field, in my relationship. The world would be a much better place if we listened to this verse. My life would be in a much better place if I listened to this verse. 1 Peter 2, 23 says, when they hurled insults at him, in reference to Jesus, he did not what? When they hurled insults at him, like they beat him to shreds verbally. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Let that be encouragement for all of us. Meekness squashes harshness uncontrolled attitudes, vengefulness, and selfless actions. Kent Hughes, I want to close with this, kind of. Kent Hughes says this, Jesus' words are not demanding perfection. The point is, however, that if a gentle, meek spirit is not at least imperfectly present in your life, it is not, it's not growing. You may very well not have the smile of Christ, which is everything. You know what my loose translation of that is? Put meekness on your radar and be imperfect at it as opposed to not having meekness on the radar at all. And then you will inherit the earth. Our earthly existence will be greatly enriched. And I think this goes full circle to the first week, you know, the kingdom of heaven. I just think we get to experience the riches of meekness while here on this earth instead of the outburst.
and the uncontrolled and the craziness. Father, thank you. Help us to grab a hold of what's been true said today and let go of whatever's garbage. I pray for an honest evaluation of each of our lives as we walk away and reflect. If we're doing well in this area, thank you, Jesus. Help us to keep doing that. And if this is new, help us to extend grace to ourselves, but also change. Change the way we act. Thank you for Jesus' example. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, Lord, your tender mercies and your love. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Forget all my rebellion.